All right, we've got a massive show today. Hunter Biden, potential charges coming down the pike. Also, justice for Captain David Dorn. We're going to break down all of this, but also I'm here covering live in Tampa, Florida at the Tampa Convention Center, Turning Point SAS, the, the epicenter, the center of the eye of the storm, the whole galaxy right here of conservatism. Tampa, Florida. And if you don't have your tickets yet, which I've, I've urged you to, right? Don't come to me with the FOMO, all right? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear, oh, but Poso, I want it. No, no. Every day I've said, every day I've said, don't come to me. But, but, give you an out. If you want to watch the amazing event that you're not at, if you want to watch, go to turningpoint.com, tposa.com, uh, and you can get the live stream up. You'll be able to see my speech. You'll be able to see Ron DeSantis, Charlie Kirk. And of course, Saturday, our keynote, President Donald J. Trump. So go to tposa.com slash SAS. You will be able to see the live streams there and get access to all the great Turning Point content. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily powered by Turning Point USA here at Turning Point USA SAS. Today is the first day of our coverage that we will be coming to you live from the Tampa Convention Center, baby, right here in Tampa, Florida, the heart of freedom the center of the conservative galaxy. But the news goes on. Today is 21 July, 2022, Anno Domini. Today's top headlines. Finally, justice for David Dorn. Jury has convicted the criminal of murdering retired St. Louis police captain David Dorn during the 2020 riots. We're gonna talk about all of that next. Secretary Mayorkas claims the southern border is secure, but there was a little incident that happened to me yesterday on the war room that might consider otherwise. Third, the feds apparently are eyeing, believe it or not, criminal charges for Hunter Biden. We'll break that down. And then finally, the latest, we've got some rulings between Twitter and Elon Musk, their lawsuit going forward over the $44 billion deal coming up this October. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. I slept. Looters were ransacking the shop. They shot and killed David in cold blood and then live streamed his execution and his last moments on earth. David's grandson was watching the video on Facebook in real time, not realizing he was watching his own grandfather dying on the sidewalk. I relived that horror in my mind every single day. My hope is that having you relive it with me now will help shake this country from this nightmare we are witnessing in our cities and bring about positive, peaceful change. So yesterday in the city of St. Louis, a jury found an individual, Stephen Cannon, guilty of the first degree murder of retired St. Louis police captain David Dorn. And for those who don't remember the David Dorn story, this was a man who had been retired, but was working security at a pawn shop, a jewelry store, someone they had known for a long time. It was actually the same jewelry store where he had bought the engagement ring for his wife and door. Now he knew the riots were going on that night. He knew that there had been violence and crime spreading throughout the city. This was in the most heated min pinnacle of the George Floyd riots of 2020. And he knew what he was getting into when he went out there. But he did go out there when he got the call. 
because he wanted to defend that store, because he wanted to protect the items in there, because he knew that this was his friend's livelihood. And more to the point, he considered it his duty to be out there. Now, I do have a somewhat personal connection to all of this because in the aftermath of this, what I did in 2020 was I established a, and we used Fundly at the time, because uh, you know, go, GoFundMe, can't trust those guys. We did establish a, a fund for the family of David Dorn, and we raised about $400,000. Just myself and then other people through social media got in touch with the family, got in touch with Anne. She authorized it. She saw how much we were coming into, right? At first, you know, who are you, this, you know, conservative internet guy? Why do you want to help out? And I said, because your family is the type of family that I think we need to help out because we do need police families. And people don't know, Andorn at the time was also a serving police officer in the city of St. Louis. And she's someone who's become completely outspoken for police families since the incident that tragically took the life of her husband. And so we've got this count out now, first degree murder, possession of a firearm, bevy of other charges. That was all the way back, all the way back, June 2nd, 2020. And his murder and the footage of him dying on the street was actually captured on Facebook Live. And it went viral online. And people could actually see that those riots, and we were told for so long that it was mostly peaceful protests, that, oh, you know, maybe it's just some broken windows, just some damage to businesses, just property damage. We're told again and again, just property damage, just property damage. What do you do with a situation like this? Captain David Dorn. And if we're going to talk about people whose lives matter, and yeah, we've always said that in this movement, that we believe that every human life matters. That's what it means to be pro-life. But when you have situations like this, you can't put one life over the lives of others. And so all I can say is, I hope that this provides some closure, some solace to the family, to Anne, to the children, who understand that these situations though, are going to continue and could also again be exacerbated in places like St. Louis and other cities where the homicide rates are spiraling out of control. We don't have to live in a country like this. We can go back to being a serious country, but we have to make the decision and we have to make the choice to be the country that we want it to be. Americans are completely concerned with their country right now. We're facing an avalanche of the most dangerous challenges in our nation's history. And are you prepared if the worst happens? If not, go to preparewithposo.com. Now right there, I've arranged a special deal where you can get stocked up on long-term emergency food at a great discount. Go to preparewithposo.com right now and save $150 on a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. They're America's largest preparedness company with over 56,000 four and five-star reviews. My Patriot Supply's food is specifically packaged to stay fresh for up to 25 years in storage. So it will be there whenever you need it. Survival experts recommend a three-month supply per person. This kit provides three solid months of delicious meals with over 2,000 calories per day. To order yours today, go to preparewithposo.com, get one kit per person. Act now and save $150 on the food that you sadly may need soon. Preparewithposo.com.
10,000 or more migrants, the new caravan coming down. And we're seeing, and I'm, I'm just looking at this video, that it doesn't appear that Mexico has put any any serious force up. There's there's a, a fence, there's a few soldiers, but the, and yeah, I can see people climbing over the fence right behind you, right? And so th this is, if that crowd begins to start to get unruly, if they start to get answers they don't like, if, they're be, if they become having food issues, what, what's going on? What's going on right behind you? They're pushing right now. This is a confrontation. They're, put, they're pushing. They're coming over the fence. This is the confrontation that it was about to happen. As you see right here behind me, the vibrants are desperate, and they already pushed the barricade. They're pushed. They're through. They're the through the way. barricades right now. This is real time. They're, they're, they've they're just, just broken through the barricades. As migrants are they're, getting the tired, riot, they're holding the riot shields. The National Guard is trying to push. The National Guard is trying to confront the migrants, but they're not confronting. They're not stopping them. They're letting them pass. So yesterday is one of those days where, you know, when you're doing live TV, I'm hosting War Room this week as Stephen K. Bannon is on trial. And we have one of those situations that really, you know, only comes up once in a while. It's lightning a bottle. You can't plan them. You don't know when it's going to happen. But we were, we were filming and Real America's Voice had a correspondent down at the, now, this is the southern border of Mexico, so the border between Mexico and Guatemala. And he's doing a hit down there telling us about these, these waves of migrants and these new caravans that are coming up from Central America. And these, these are the new uh, waves that are coming now. It's Central Americans coming through Mexico and then eventually making their way to the U.S. southern border. And I said, as we were watching the clip, that, and you can hear me say this in real time, I said, that doesn't look very secure behind you. And I asked him, what was the, what's the heat like down there? What's the humidity like? And I can't imagine, it's the middle of July. And, he said, and I could see the situation deteriorating before my eyes. And I watched as first, it was children that were put over the border, then the mothers, and then the National Guardsmen. There were only maybe half a dozen of these guys there and they've got the riot shields, they've got their helmets on, but they're facing off against thousands of people in this caravan. They broke through the barricades. They stormed across, pushed back the correspondent. He goes, Oscar Ramirez, and starts chasing after them, continues. And, and you know, you have to honor the, the temerity of this guy and the commitment to his job, his commitment to the work, to the craft, because he starts chasing after this caravan that's just broken through the barricades never stops filming, actually never stops talking and explaining what's going on. But then you go to Secretary Mayorkas over at the Aspen Security Council that's being held right now, and he's saying that our borders are secure. Well, I'm sorry, Secretary, but you're wrong. And I think that if I can go down and have a clip like that that comes out, you want to tell me that this is something that just randomly happens every once in a while? Right. And that's the southern Mexican border. Our own U.S. border. Where do you think they're aiming for? They're coming to the southern U.S. border. That's what this is about. We don't have a border right now. And if you don't have a border, you don't have a country. These are unsustainable numbers that we're seeing. Uh, Ramirez was telling me that they're seeing as many as 1000 per day hitting that southern border there and they're making their way across up from Mexico in this heat, in this heat. This is a humanitarian disaster waiting to happen. And Secretary Mayorkas wants to go out there to Aspen and wants to do all happy talk. It's all happy. He's not even anywhere near the border. 
He's not paying attention. He doesn't care about this border. He doesn't care about our country. He doesn't care about keeping people safe. When the elementary school in Uvalde, in a border town, has 47 lockdowns because of illegal aliens being chased in cars by the police, by law enforcement, by border security, crashing, going into the parking lot, spilling out, they call them bailouts, getaways, 47 lockdowns in one year, in just half of one year. And then a school shooting happens. That's just one border city, one border town, one school. What are we doing to these children on the border, our citizens? Why are we allowing this to come across? As President Trump told us all the way back in 2015, the incidents of sexual assault and rape that are occurring to these people as they come across are horrific. It's a humanitarian disaster and Secretary Mayorkas knows it. Um, I'm thinking about the Biden family, like how are they doing this? I know Joe decided not to run in 2016, but what if he ran in the future? Aren't they taking political risk or headline risk? And I remember looking at Jim Biden and saying, how are you guys getting away with this? Like, aren't you concerned? And he sort of looked at me and he laughed a little bit and said, uh, plausible deniability. So believe it or not, a story that I think a lot of people have completely forgotten about, but we have a story now coming to us via CNN. So take that with a grain of salt. But CNN is reporting that the Hunter Biden investigation is now looking at actual federal charges. The Department of Justice is weighing possible charges against Hunter Biden after investigations into his business dealings and false statements involving the purchase of a gun have reached a critical juncture. Sources say that the probe has intensified in recent months with discussions among Delaware-based prosecutors. Remember, that's what the grand jury is in Delaware. Investigators running the probe and officials at the Justice Department headquarters. While no final decision is yet to be made, the possibility of dropping charges on Hunter would put a longstanding, um, when I, and when they say dropping charges here, they mean actually submitting charges, not, not getting rid of the charges. I think they actually kind of, CNN maybe go back to school a little bit there for writing put a long-standing guideline to avoid bringing politically sensitive cases close to an election. What does it have to do? They allege tax violations and clearly, by the way, making false statements to the ATF when he purchased his weapon. It's really simple. And by the way, this is something that the Democrats, like his father, talk about all the time. Lying to obtain an illegal gun. What did Hunter Biden lie about when he went to purchase his gun? He lied about his abuse of hard narcotics. And guess what? I've got a whole lot of concurrent evidence right now, right? I've got three copies of that hard drive with me. I literally have three copies of the hard drive with me that show you that right around that same time period, 2018, 2019, Hunter Biden was a habitual user of methamphetamines and multiple other hard drugs. We have them on video. We have all the evidence of this. Yet at the same time, he applied for a gun for a gun in the state of Delaware and clearly lied to the ATF about this. Right. We have. And that's and that's what they call That's what they call a legal headshot in the business. They call that a legal headshot. What does it mean? It means you've got direct evidence that he was using drugs at this time. You got direct evidence of him lying and direct evidence that you can prove it was at the exact same time. So you're done. Right. That's that's your whole case. You put that in front of a jury and you can say, jury, look, boom, boom, boom. 
you can bring in some witnesses. You can bring in whoever sold him the gun. You can say, is this your, you know, is this your form? Is this the handwriting? Who was it? Do you see the defendant in the room today? Can you identify the defendant? Can you identify the person? Is the man who purchased the gun in the room with us now? And then they point. It was him. It was guy with the spark plugs in his head pulsing out and the guy with the new veneer teeth as he's sitting there in the front. Right. And that's and that's direct lie. That's lying to a federal agency. Right. So we know that. But the bigger issue in all of this and the issue that I believe they're going to give him a pass on and you're seeing it right now, they're going to give him a pass on his dealings. And we talked about it yesterday with the Chinese Communist Party, his dealings with the oligarchs of Ukraine, his dealings in Russia, his dealings in Kazakhstan. They're going to give him a complete pass on that and the fact that he was meeting with his father 30 times. That's the way the business worked. He went out overseas. He signed the deals, then he came back to his father and he told him what they worked on and he told him what the other side needed from his dad. Do they think we're stupid, right? Do they think we can't put this together? It's very obvious what they were doing here, right? And this is everything, of course, that they accuse Trump of, of saying, oh, you know, this and there's all these secrets. I, I don't need secrets with Hunter Biden. I've got the whole lap, I've got his whole laptop. We can show the dates. We can put this all together. Do you really honestly want to sit there and tell me that at the time, Vice President Joe Biden had no idea, had no clue whatsoever what his son was doing, especially when we can show that on multiple trips, he was flying on the same airplane. He's flying on Air Force Two with his father. Yet we're told that when he's going over on these foreign trips and signing these foreign deals, that somehow he never actually talked about it with his father. Ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. This is a crime family. This is a criminal operation and they are going to get the cover up. They're going to make this about the gun because they do have the legal headshot and they have to. But mark my words, the corruption will go unpunished. Twitter has become kind of the de facto town square. Really important that people have the both the uh, the reality and the perception that they are able to speak freely within the bounds of the law. My strong intuitive sense is that uh, having a public platform that is maximally trusted and broadly inclusive is extremely important to the future of civilization. Elon Musk, the Twitter lawsuit going to a courtroom also, by the way, in the state of Delaware. I wonder if they can set it up so that Elon has to go to court at the same time as Hunter Biden and we could potentially get a photo of them together which, no, you know what, because Elon's that state and then and then Hunter, that would be federal. So you know, I'm not sure where the courthouses sit there. In, but I don't know, maybe we can just work it out. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll go and we'll talk about this. We'll see if we can schedule it together so they might be around the same time. But Elon and, and Twitter. So what's the situation here? What's the deal? Elon just lost his first round in the free trial motions here. What did he lose? He was trying to get a delay. He wanted them to push this thing back and say, hey, wait a minute, we got a lot of data from Twitter. We're looking through all this stuff. We got to figure out what's going on. And Twitter said, no, we're taking you to court. We're suing you. Why? Because we have a contract. You sign on the line, buddy. You sign on the dotted line. And that's the thing in M&A. And I've talked to a lot of lawyers about this, and they've pointed out that there is an extremely high bar for Elon Musk to get out of this deal. What does that mean? It's not just about the one billion feet. It's the execution of the deal itself. Why? Because he said that he would purchase Twitter. And now the idea that he waived due diligence, that's not entirely true. But also what everyone has said is 
that if he was really this worried about bots, if he was really this worried about fake traffic on Twitter, and we know there's bots on Twitter, we know there's fake traffic on Twitter, it's 100% true. But the problem is, is that that's caveated into the contract itself. And because it's caveated into the contract itself, which Elon signed, it's very hard for him to go in and break it. They call it the silver bracelets, right? The silver bracelets of that contract are binding. And one of the things Twitter said in this, um, in this preliminary hearing, which again, Twitter won in front of the judge, is that under US law, it doesn't matter if your name is Elon Musk, it doesn't matter if your name is Hunter Biden, it's not supposed to matter if your name is Hunter Biden, it doesn't matter if your name is Jack Posobiec, it doesn't matter if your name is, uh, is Banjo-Kazooie, right? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, everyone is equal before the law, even young Banjo-Kazooie, yes. And so if you sign a contract in the state that is binding, you have to abide by it. Now, what does this all mean? Does this mean that Elon Musk has, doesn't want to buy Twitter? And that's really the big question, because for those of us out there that are looking at this as a way to get some semblance of free speech back into the United States, some semblance of allowing that freedom of speech in the, in the mass public square, and that's what it is, the public square of the 21st century, and Twitter so much. And look, I love Getter, I love True Social, but we need a way. We need a way to make Twitter have the same type of free speech policies because we know that out of the people that are on there, the amount of soft power it has is immense. And maybe just maybe Elon Musk isn't the person, isn't the right person to get us there. And so if we do end up getting a new Congress and conservatives end up taking over Congress in November, and they, they essentially be there in January, we get the new Congress sworn in, they need to take action on big tech. We can't lose that fight. We have to do something about big tech and we have to do it now. All right, and that's all the time for us, Human Events Daily. This is our first show from Turning Point SAS. You can already hear the hustle and bustle as everybody's working to bring stuff together. The Chapter Leadership Summit is going on right now. The actual event takes place tomorrow. So right now people are building things up. People are getting the structures in place. A lot of the Turning Point family is getting together, which I always love. I love when the family gets in. So it's really great to be here. If you're not in Tampa, maybe you can make it down. Fly, there's still some flights available. There's still some tickets available. You really wanna be here. This is the center of the conservative universe for this weekend. But as always, our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you to be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework for us, leave us one, just one of, or share this out with one, just one of your normie friends, and then leave us a five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your politics. What did we talk about today? Jury convicting the criminal of murdering David Dorn, St. Louis, during the 2020 riots. And Senator, Secretary Mayorkas claiming that the southern border is secure. Well, we've got some footage from real, in real time showing what actually is going on in Mexico. Third, the feds eyeing criminal charges for Hunter Biden. And then Twitter and Elon Musk, the deal is going through losing, losing the first round in court. But of course, we have to go to today's history break, because on this day in 1969, because we've been following this all week, the Apollo 11 mission, Neil Armstrong, also a guy from the Midwest, the same way we've been talking about the Midwest when we talk about Kyle Rittenhouse, when we talk about that mall outside Indianapolis, we talk about the guy that ran into the burning building to save those kids. There's something about the Midwest, right? The heartland of America. Well, Neil Armstrong on this day became the first person to step on the moon. An absolute amazing feat because 
not just for all of mankind, not just for the space program, but for our country. There's only one flag on the moon. There's a reason for that. Let's be that country. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.